Hello there, this is your host Atif Ali and welcome to the Everyday Titans podcast. This is a show where we shine the spotlight on entrepreneurs, artists, leaders and change makers within our communities. The focus here is on highlighting their stories and vision for the future. Because remember, inspiration is all around us. This episode, we will be chatting with yet another young and talented Canadian entrepreneur who is obsessed with how blockchains and other peer-to-peer network technologies could provide a more sustainable and decentralized online infrastructure. He's leading the way in developing a fully decentralized data integrity network, which could potentially form the backbone of most of our communications infrastructure of the future. He, along with his team of co-founders, are striving for all humans to be self-expressed, and for them, the digital communications technologies of the future hold the key to this treasure trove of an idea. Let's peek in and have a look at how this philosophy is providing form to the technologies that are going to shape our future. And how does one get to the foothills of such an obsession? So, without further ado, let's dive right into it. All right, so... Today we have with us uh, actually one of my good friends as well, uh, Go, um, Gobind Mohan. He goes by by Go sometimes. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he needs an introduction. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he needs an introduction from me. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask him. You know, just go ahead, tell about himself, uh, what he what he does, and what what, what he's all about. Sure. Uh, so yeah, glad to be on. Uh, great to. Uh, thanks for having me on, Atif. And uh, uh, yeah, so a bit about myself. Uh, my background's in computer science, philosophy, and economics, uh, and entrepreneurship, really. Uh, although the, the 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 three subjects I mentioned were what I actually studied in university, and uh, throughout the course of university, I took part in a lot of hackathons. I've been coding for like I don't know, close to a decade, more than that. Uh, lost track of time, really. Uh, not much to do when you're in a. I was I grew up in Oman, which is a small country in the Middle East, and. Uh, we had some like uh, uh, you know one of those uh, ADSL connections and like the first we had a dial-up connection an ADSL connection and then there was just like a lot of like random devices in my house so just like my my childhood was spent just tinkering and uh, uh, exploring the early internet uh, as uh, people from our generation did and uh, really just uh, once I got to university it was like oh you know this, like turns out there's these these skills are actually valuable um, so then the, I kind of started going into this path of entrepreneurship. Uh, leading to me like winning a competition in 2018, starting a company, uh, which is now Virgil Systems, based out of uh, Montreal, uh, and we do, we build uh, decentralized uh, peer-to-peer networks with uh, very high uh, cybersecurity properties, like, specifically high integrity and high availability. So keep it short. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you talk about you know that your sort of like revelation of. Oh, actually, that skills that you learned just tink- tinkering around on the early internet. Um, I remember the time as well. Um, did you did you feel a bit of a like lag though? Like when you when you came from like Middle East to like North America, like did you feel like oh, actually, there's certain things which are you know much better here too. So. But did you have that that kind of like a shock? It, it was a huge culture shock, you know, like, That's, I mean, I guess uh, like media that I was consuming at the time, I'm sure like as for most of the world is like generally like Western shaped, right? So, you know, you have some idea of what you're getting into when you come to, come from a place like that to here. But uh, I mean, it really like, you know, once you once you hit the ground running, you're like, well, this is like, you know, totally crazy. And at some point it, it even like manifested at some kind of like imposter syndrome, like, you know, like, do I belong here kind of thing? 
uh, but eventually, you know, like I, I feel like that's that's uh, that's when you really get to any kind of uh, situation where you're not familiar and uh, you're kind of just being yourself or trying to be yourself, hopefully. And and then you end up uh, like feeling like an imposter, and then eventually you kind of just accept that. Okay, no, this is actually who I am. You know, so that's that's kind of how it was. But no, definitely that culture shock initially was uh, was quite large. Yeah. Um, so it seems like nowadays, you know, like this whole sort of like setup of okay, you go to university, but then you go out and like if you want to like start something out of your own. Um, there is you know ways where you can get fundings and you can like get an idea you can kind of like get trained on these things um and it seems like you you also sort of like look down that path too right after or like doing university so do you mind just you know like tell us a bit about that you know where 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 did you go how did you you know figure out what to do right like <laughs> there's probably no court like you yeah, know there's like no I'm like set there's no like set curriculum on it, right? Like you, nobody told you, hey, you, you want to start your company, and you know, yeah. I mean, they have those courses that do that, but like you know, when you when you bring something to an academic setting, I think it loses a little bit of touch with reality, uh, which is good for things that aren't really based in reality, things like math and computer science. You know, like they're based on kind of like this abstract realm. That's a good setting to study that stuff. But you know, when it gets to like the uh, so-called school of hard knocks kind of thing, where it's like. Uh, uh, you know, you have to go out in the real world. You have to get someone to do something, or you have to convince someone to give you something so that you can, you know, uh, your company can can learn all that. I think that's really just mainly experiential, or you have to learn from someone who's kind of done that in the past. So it's a very practical sort of thing. Uh, and of course, like I think uh, uh, I learned from a lot of my own uh, mistakes in the past too. You know, like uh, like it, it took a few iterations of doing this entrepreneurship thing to actually get it right. Uh, where you know there was like in second year I started a uh, I was I was working with a friend who had a company for a uh, geopolitical chatbot, which was super interesting. But I, I barely knew anything about JavaScript or Node.js, and I had to like build an actual architecture for it. So you know like I hacked something together and it worked and it, it got the job done. But then uh, uh, like you know it, it just like school pressures were catching up, so there, it was just like maintaining everything was just absolutely difficult. So it kind of failed. Uh, and then after that, there was another one where uh, we wanted to connect, uh, we built an Android app that connected uh, uh, senior, the uh, healthcare workers for senior citizens with the families of the senior citizens so that they can actually kind of uh, like give regular updates as opposed to getting it from the, the, the actual company, which might not actually know what's going on, right? So that, that was another one that uh, <clears throat> it, it didn't quite take off the ground just because of, you know, just various environment variables. But then after that, you know, once you once you get an idea of what good looks like or what bad looks like, you know, what what to do or uh, what not to do, and you can kind of uh, iterative refinement, right? You can you can just uh, refine at each uh, each new step. So I think I think failing is is just a really important part of things. And uh, of course, you know, to fail, you need to not be afraid afraid to try. Uh, if if you try something, the worst thing that can happen is is you fail. And the best thing you can happen is you succeed. You know, that's that's pretty awesome. And the best part is you get to try an infinite number of times, you know, at least as long as you're alive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's a, that's that's definitely like one of the pills or the basis of looking at it. Um, I, yeah, I think that's that's like the sort of mindset where I feel like it's 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 very dependent on the context of the things, though, as well, like where you are. Because sometimes, like in a situation, you find people who who actually have like the opposite uh, mentality. And I, I think that, I mean, I, I, when I see that, I'm like, okay, there actually is room for improvement there then, right? Like it's, yeah, it's, it's a place where that sort of mindset can help. Um, mm -hmm. Anyways, um, so 
so you you like mentioned a couple of different projects that you worked on and i mean it, it, they're definitely not like super directly related to you know blockchains or like the peer-to-peer networks that you're working on now um what what's the yeah like what's the story behind that like how did you get into like this like you know web 3.0 decentralization sort of uh, yeah, so the I actually got into it through the deep web. <laughs> so I used to uh, like I mean I heard about this thing called the deep web. I read some articles about. It. I'm like, okay, so what what is actually in here? You know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. So then I, I uh, obviously you know you get your uh, if if you've been on the deep web, you have to get like this uh, Onion router VPN. So I download that. I go and then there's like a bunch of websites you can check out, and uh, you know they all take like an infinite amount of time to load. <laughs> so it's, it's the, the the deep web is not really interesting. You know, it's not that interesting. But what what you do notice there is that there's like a lot of mention of Bitcoin everywhere. At least there was in like the uh, uh, like you know about 2014, 2015, which is when I was kind of there. Uh, and, and and I was like that that really got me curious. You know, like at first I kind of took it for granted. I'm like, okay, currency, whatever. But then uh, I, I started reading more about Bitcoin, and then uh, I, I got to check out this uh, cryptocurrency Ethereum, which now is now people might be uh, more familiar with, uh, which is basically like uh, like Bitcoin is this decentralized ledger sort of thing, which where you have like uh, a currency that is defined by the history of transactions, which is perfectly accountable. So that was that was like the first like stepping stone for cryptocurrencies, at least in in, in the uh, 21st century. And then, and then uh, you have this idea of Ethereum, where it's like you don't just put financial information on this on this shared state that everyone can have access to on the internet. You can just put anything. You can you can put like um, you know information about your your taxes. You can put like your digital identity. You can you can do all these kinds of things, and you have a perfectly accountable, uh, immutable ledger that's that's gonna uh, that's gonna exist forever, really. So it's like you know, 50, 100 years down the line, you can still refer back to the uh, Ethereum blockchain or the Bitcoin blockchain and see transaction number one without any, you know, uh, any chance of it being manipulated, uh, at least without, you know, like uh, uh, quantum cryptography concerns, but without having to get in there. Uh, so that's that's what really got me into uh, to, to cryptocurrencies and, and blockchain, just this this notion of complete freedom, right, of digital freedom and uh, no, no corporation having to be a center point or a single point of failure because we know like you know uh, like the, the all the big tech companies have at some point had an antitrust or like let, let's at least take the top five right like amazon facebook google microsoft uh like you know they've, they've all apple as well they, they've, they've all you know proven that they cannot be trusted for an extended period of time does that mean they're inherently evil you know maybe <laughs> uh but they, they they do a lot of good things but uh you know it's it's like if we have the option of trusting them versus not trusting them and uh having some some kind of decentralized trust it just seems like it's a rational decision to make that's what really got me into blockchain so like this this journey that started in like 2014 2015 and then i discovered all these things that are possible with it um, and then after that, like I, I started like from a research hat finding these things a lot more interesting as well, um, where you know there's like these really really interesting problems of how you can uh, model trust in a human context using computers. You know where you have in, in computer science they call it uh, consensus theory, which is you know pretty pretty awesome. <laughs> so I guess this was the time you were also uh, like in university and doing your like studies as well as it kind of like was complementary in a way as well or was that like something that you realized oh actually in school nobody talks about this because nobody even knows <laughs> I think it's more of the latter really and I, I think I, I really lucked out because uh, I took a uh, like I, I, I liked uh, philosophy in high school like I read uh, some Albert Camus 
uh, and some existential works, you know, because I was an angsty teenager. <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what eventually happened was I took a philosophy course in existentialism, as it so happened to be. And then I was like, this is fascinating. Like, I've never been, like, actually exposed to this my entire life. So then I started taking more and more courses before I know it's a minor. And the next thing I know, it's actually a major. <laughs> so I think uh, having that kind of uh, humanities feed in concurrently with uh, computer science, I think that really helped me kind of get a holistic at least what I consider a holistic view uh, of, of this kind of situation or this problem. <clears throat> and uh, I think uh, being able to look at tech in, 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 uh, in conjunction with the kind of impact that it has is, is like, it's, it's such an important skill that, you know, they just don't teach you that in engineering or, or just in a hard science. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. You know, it's just a bit of, um, I, I guess, that like creative aspect of things I sometimes like find is very, very like not like promoted so it's like kind of like missing at a certain point um which i think is very important right as well um okay um so you basically you know discovered this so sort of like whole world of you know people trying to uh, you know take take back you know a bit of like privacy and control over their own identities and you know their activities on the internet so i, I mean that got you interested uh, okay uh, where, where did you what like what to do next right like did you just start like making stuff or did you go around ask people about it learn from them what, what was like yeah what's what was the what were the things that you did at, at that point i think um i like you know once you once you're like uh, once you kind of like work with customers and uh, all that for a bit like word kind of gets around so i i started uh you know, like I was, I was working on some like uh, decentralized, you know, payment systems. Like uh, um, I, there was like a, a cryptocurrency payment company for like sports betting that I was working on, and then you know the person from that told, uh, uh, like the person who was in charge of that told like some of his friends that hey, you know, there's this guy who can work on this, uh, on your like you know assorted blockchain needs. So I was doing like web dev, blockchain dev, and all that stuff. Uh, so like there was like kind of this uh, I, I like I mean I think I think uh, like you know uh, once you once you kind of build build out and tap into a network you start getting seeing network effects quite literally right like you know someone tells a friend and they tell a friend and so on uh, but then there's also this kind of like you know what what can I do that's that's bigger that's that's gonna have a more direct impact because I'm all, I'm all about that I really wanna you know feel feel the impact that. Uh, that I can have, and not not just because you know I'm the one doing it, just because I think this needs to be done really, and you know I want to make sure that I'm I'm at least contributing to it. Um, so that's that's kind of how I started like actively pursuing you know um, uh, starting a company kind of thing, and and to some extent it also found me. Uh, I, I did. There's definitely a, a non-trivial uh, amount of luck that I have to ascribe to a lot of these things. You know, like uh, so I was uh, taking part in this competition called Ethereum UFT uh, 20, 2018. And uh, I, uh, yeah, so we, we had a pretty neat idea at the time with uh, for a data exchange platform where we wanted to uh, give people uh, control, like kind of design web apps in a certain way where uh, like, like people choose to share the information that they want and the information itself is like sealed up and like using some kind of cryptography in, in a blockchain setting. Uh, and and any, any app that wants to uh, get people's data has to get their consent and actually have to pay them for the data. And, and we were kind of facilitating what, what that platform actually looks like. Built out a few smart contracts on Ethereum. 
And and then like we were just having fun doing it, right? It was just a few friends of me, uh, mine and I. And uh, it turns out that we actually ended up winning the the hackathon, which was which was great. But what was even luckier was the uh, that there was uh, an incubator called the Creative Destruction Lab, based out of uh, Rotman here at uh, University of Toronto. And uh, they, they they had just opened an inaugural blockchain AI stream, and uh, like they were they were looking for people to kind of contend in them. And it turns out we were the first team that they actually got to join on there. So they were giving like pre-seed funding from like top VCs just to like you know anyone or, or like people who were in the in the in the craft. So we just happened to be there at the at the right place at the at the right time. Uh, and also like this other article uh, that I read recently comes to mind where it's which is like the your your luck surface area you know the more the more you put yourself out there the more your your chance of getting lucky or your odds of getting lucky increase like you know luck is like a hard to define thing of like this low probability event happening but then the, the more you kind of sample things where you could get lucky you can actually you know you increase your surface area of luck I thought it was. I think that's a, that's a pretty neat notion, and you know that describes kind of what I was doing at the time. <laughs> it's trying to just get myself out there, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally like get that. Um, yeah, it's it's totally unpredictable, right? But it's it's and also like what you realize is that sort of you know that eighty twenty distribution and everything as well, right? It's like eighty percent of the <laughs> things don't end up doing much. Twenty percent ends up doing most of it. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, uh, so I guess it's the same with with this, you know, sort of running into the right people at the right time. Um, and I, I guess you also go through a lot of, you know, running into the wrong people at the right time or the right people at the wrong time, right? <laughs> and the wrong people, um, period. You know, <laughs> there's, there's all kinds of, uh, yeah, no, for sure. So, so you were then like starting like your own sort of like company. Uh, with with this like uh, incubator that you were at um right how yeah. did you learn about you know how, how did you go about that because i mean I'm, I'm sure like at that point you you like you haven't like that was like your first company right yeah it was the first company that i started out and uh, you know it was like completely uh like wild i was just like well this is this is crazy i just have a bunch of money and like I, it's just my friends i mean it, you know you, you can think of it as like well this is pretty awesome but at the same time it's pretty nerve-wracking because you know you have like all these obligations and it's really the entire the success of your your like however how far you get depends solely on the amount of input you put in there. Um, so that being the case, you know like you know my that's when I think my life got completely consumed by work, uh, which I, I I don't I don't really necessarily uh, think that's a bad thing to because you know I, I think if you, if you love what you're doing it it really it's easy to get sucked into work, uh, like you know and and just be there all the time. Uh, so and uh, thankfully we got a lot of advice, like tons of advice from the uh, from the incubator. Like uh, they they had a lot of uh, top minds in the field, uh, like uh, people like Ethan Buckman from Tendermint, uh, the guy who made Kin, uh, the uh, Christian Catalini, who's uh, the the chief economist behind uh, Facebook's Libra project currently, and uh, worked on a whole bunch of other things in the past. Uh, the guy who made Alexa, you know, there was just a whole trove of really interesting people and. People who have actually made it before, and you know, like they 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 know what good looks like, right? Uh, to get back to that notion, uh, they were giving us advice and um, being very critical. Like we had some super intense meetings. Some of them were like ten to fifteen minutes long, and every every single second mattered. You know, uh, so uh, and and yeah, through the course of that, I actually found. Uh, Aaron and uh, Aaron, who uh, is uh, the co-founder co with me at uh, Virtual Systems, and of course, you know, he's he's like a, a, a he's a serial technologist. He's he's built a lot of different uh, uh, ven like ventures in the past and technologies in the past. Uh, so uh, yeah, he, he like I, I I hit him up for business advice at some point. 
uh, because I, I I helped him build my uh, build his website for for his company at the time. So he's like, uh, we were just like hanging out, having dinner. And then I was like uh, asking him about business advice, and then uh, this kind of became a conversation about like uh, like very advanced general AI and uh, all those kinds of uh, crazy things. And by the end of the conversation, he had basically convinced me that he's like he just knows so much about these things, and he's uh, he's got like a ton of expertise. And then he gave uh, like kind of a proposition to kind of merge our companies. So then it just seemed to make sense at the time. Uh, I still have my old company, and we have our IP and. Uh, we're still like it's kind of on, on the parking lot just because uh you know i think it makes sense to learn from the uh the giants and then go back and do my own thing after that's that's where right I'm at now. so um so you, yeah you 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 on one end were, were like you know you guys were focusing on the aspect of facilitating that like value extraction of, of personal data and how it's shared in a in a way where the user has the control uh and then what was uh, Aaron at this at the time, you know, working on? Like, you, know, you guys decided to merge. So, what was the other end of it? Like, what were what was their team uh, working on at the time? Uh, so he had this uh, intellectual property for uh, a peer-to-peer -peer decentralized network where you had like extremely high resilience. And uh, so, like, I mean, when when you think of the internet right now, when you go to Netflix, when you go to Facebook. You're, you're, uh, when you when you when you get a website that's coming from their servers, it's it's really like you're a client. You're 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 requesting something from a server and you're getting it from them. And that server is sitting somewhere in like their their huge like cloud data centers, right? And th these are these are like heavily centralized models of the internet. The internet has had a, a huge back and forth with uh, centralization and decentralization. You know, uh, the internet fundamentally is a decentralized system where you have like switches and routers sitting everywhere that are contributing to the internet. Uh, but then you know you have this kind of centralized layer that's built on top of it, where you have some some areas that are just really powerful and serving a lot of content, uh, like abnormally higher content compared to the rest of the uh, internet. Um, so now now this kind of new next generation of peer to peer is to be like you know why do we need content served from one place? Um, these servers go down like you know fairly often. They have they have decent uh, downtime. If you have a peer to peer network, if you if you really Work it out right. If you if you you know put like build everything out right, you can actually have uh, networks, content delivery networks with 100% uh, uptime. And moreover, you actually get these these additional properties of uh, data privacy and you know uh, like a, a like a maintained digital identity, some kind of ledgering, and then a shared state between people, so that you know what you know what 100% accountability looks like without any one central party uh, maintaining it. So that's that's kind of what the the sell was. Although back then we were trying to sell to the lawyers, and we found out very quickly lawyers are terrible customers. <laughs> it kind of shifted uh, shifted gears there. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of uh, what. I, 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 I mean, but why, why why was that the why was that the case? Like why why were lawyers? Why would you, yeah? Why do you think that that was not suitable at the point? Lawyers. Well, uh, every single lawyer we talk to, like, so there, there, there's, uh, there's a new emerging field of uh, legal practice called uh, knowledge management, where you know they have like these massive, massive amounts of records, and then they, they need some, some great way to, some, some a better way to maintain them and derive all the knowledge from them uh, instead of getting a, a paralegal to you know read through all of them and all that. But the thing is, the, the legal industry is just very, very, very resistant to change. They, they, like, you know, they have the system that works, and uh, it's, it's a very um, People-based uh, industry as well, you know, where you have like uh, some some person who's uh, who's you know who's going to get a bunch of uh, paralegals under them, or like you know they they're they're going to control like uh, uh, just because they they control a huge part of the business value if they're a partner, 
uh, they get to have their own say on what their way of doing things is. So it's like you have to not just uh, you know kind of change their mind, but every single other person partner who has their own kind of sphere of influence, they have to change their mind, and you have to do this across an entire industry, which is just uh, really hard. You know, like uh, I think uh, a few friends of mine built this word plugin that became like a, a pretty big uh, uh, legal legal tech app. You know, it's it's like it's a word plugin. You know, so, which you know the, the the product is great. You know, it's that's not my point at all. It's just uh, it's they're they're still stuck to word, and you know they they're not really looking beyond what what's what's possible beyond word, and that's that's really you know the resistance to change that's there in that industry. Yeah, well, I, I guess that's that's the case in a lot of um, like service-based industries are fine because like it's it's mostly like humans um you know people who are who are doing most of the interfacing um yeah so i guess that's that's the that's the issues like you you find that in industries where service-based and you have to be with a lot of people's preconceived notions yeah um well, so uh, i mean i guess that was probably like the, <laughs> so i guess that was like one of the big things for you guys at, at the beginning then just like trying to like find some applications for what you were trying to build too, right? Yeah, yeah, just uh, some way to, to get to prove out the tech. Uh, Aaron has a different, uh, like, you know, different world in his mind <laughs> where, where we want to kind of uh, uh, really start with the tech and then find uh, people who are who want to collaborate with us for the actual research and development of the tech and kind of uh, go hand in hand as a customer, uh, uh, you know, which is really the best kind of relationship you can get as a startup, you know, from the get go. Uh, someone who you know is willing to actually work with you to uh, refine your product, uh, you know, as long as you have the the basic idea and like the end goal in mind. Uh, just getting from from where you are to where you want to be, uh, the customer is very crucial. And finding finding a customer who's like that, uh, uh, not quite that handholdy, but just who's willing to integrate just because they see the value of the product is uh, is I think uh, is very important. That's 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 what the the, the holy product market fit of entrepreneurship is. Yeah, so and I mean, I've heard some like crazy stories, read about some crazy stories about how people find that, you know, first sort of golden customer. Mm -hmm. uh, do, do you guys have like a crazy story or it was like, oh, we, you know, we went through like a, a list of like potentials and we just found one or is there like a crazy thing that you, you all, you guys also did? Well, I think here, the, that's the, the power of, uh, of like, uh, or, or just uh, experience comes in because Aaron had this kind of massive, gigantic Rolodex of people he had interacted with in the past, you know, like, uh, just having some kind of network of uh, of of people, like a, a sphere of people who he has interacted with, and uh, through that uh, he got us our, our our first customer, which is like this three-year, uh, sorry, three-phase contract where the first phase is just proof of concept, second phase is like uh, about like putting your tech in an operational environment, and the third phase is like actual global deployment. So now, right now we're in phase two, where we are, we're you know working towards actually uh, creating a peer-to-peer -peer network using IoT devices uh in in like a representative environment so we're actually gonna you know get a bunch of drones get a bunch of uh like uh, uh I, I don't know about autonomous vehicles but you can you, we can get like drones holding up like uh, uh actual lte routers and then uh, people down on the uh on the field with phones android devices all that kind of thing just you know communicating with this peer-to-peer -peer network that's what we're heading towards and then the next step is to really just uh like you know, operationalize that and hopefully get it embedded with uh, some 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 chunk of the internet. That's that would be the the end goal for us. So apart from you know just like the product, the general sort of product market fit, um, you know, difficulties. Uh, were there any other like you know big things that you remember? Like just 
which were difficult at, at the time and you know how did you guys go around and solve it were there any big issues apart from you know, just the product market fit uh i think for the for for a long time it was uh just me as a as a sole developer uh so aaron aaron is a, a hell of a developer you know he can he can like put out libraries at a, at a time but you know he was uh since our team was quite small we were like five six people and uh like we had people kind of working on the business side to secure investments secure uh new contracts uh, or grants things like that uh and then aaron was kind of spread thin between that the accounting the lawyer stuff and all that um that, which is really to me the difference between making a, uh, a a successful startup versus a successful you know you know behemoth which is i think what we're going for uh, where you want to have this kind of like horizontal embedding uh, from the get-go Whereas with a uh, the conventional wisdom for a startup is you know pick a pick a use case pick as like uh, as Paul Graham says you know do things that don't scale you, when you have a problem like that uh, you, you get your investment to uh, to scale and then uh, uh, you get your funding and your growth uh, people to to help you start you, you're solving a problem but the solution isn't scaling that's a very good place to be for a startup um, and and really no matter what even if you're this horizontal kind of behemoth you you still need that but you know the, this is kind of the unit unit level of I think startup. Uh, uh, the way a startup works, but uh, yeah, you know, like uh, I think it was it was really difficult because I had to pull. Uh, I think last March, uh, no, last April, something like that. I had to pull like a week straight of basically not sleeping, just because that's when we had to deliver our first phase, uh, which is which is super intense. You know, uh, like I, I can't lie, I get a little bit of thrill out of it, but you know, at the end of it, I was so dead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of that's changed. Now our team's like grown quite a bit, so. It's like, yeah, it's like, you know, every engineer's um, sort of uh, drug, drug of choice, right? Like yeah. That feel that you get when like there's a problem and you're like, nah, I'm not, I'm not going to bed. I got to solve this. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so yeah, your team's, teams, yeah, your team's growing. Um, that, that's really good to see. So I guess you now get to actually focus on the bigger picture now um, as well. You know, like you're, you're probably not as much as in the weeds, but you're yeah. still like, connected yeah. to to the technology power part and like trying to drive it to where, where it sort of needs to go so what's the you know uh, every sort of company has that you know like big sort of picture goal so what's the big grand vision at, at you know virtual systems uh i think the big grand vision is to power to empower telecommunications uh and uh like here's the crazy part we actually want to build towards uh 6G infrastructure and, and quantum infrastructure. So, so Aaron's got some some expertise with uh, developing quantum patents. We have even a whole division of the company working on just quantum photonics-based uh, systems. Uh, and like, uh, so in our in our peer-to-peer -peer network, we have this way of uh, creating data holograms. That's kind of unit level of data in the network. Kind of like in the internet, you have packets, right? Like on on IP, you have packets. Uh, same deal, except we call our packets holograms. Um, and what the interesting thing is that you're you're able to kind of give them these these quantum inspired properties of like superposition, polarization, and all that. Uh, but the the idea is to uh, actually get to making these quantum properties actually quantum. So instead of uh, instead of sending your data over the internet, you know how crazy would it be if you could actually teleport your data from one one point one entangled computer to another entangled computer? That that, that would be like you know pretty wild. So I think uh, getting uh, first of all. You know, just before we get to that craziness, you know, just starting from using our secure P2P networks to uh, uh, to to power telecommunications infrastructure from like low levels to like all to high levels like web apps and stuff, and then after that we would kind of uh, you know go towards six uh, G infrastructure. That's that's really where we're headed. 
so it seems like there's quite a quite a bit of integration or like you know uh, sort of very close play with um, like hard hardware right like physical sort of devices that we use um, um do, do you think like uh, there's other aspects of, of you know just apart from like what you guys are trying to do so it seems like you know that's like sort of one aspect of like securing uh, data or like maintaining privacy do you think there's other things as well that in conjunction need to happen too and i don't know maybe there's other companies doing it as well to to get to like sort of like the holy grail yeah no i i think um uh the, like a huge part of this is to actually educate uh like our potential customers as well you know of like you know this this is kind of the state of things as they are right now with the current way the internet works and the uh, current internet infrastructure is laid out and uh, like you know, they, they need to understand the problem uh, that 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 uh, as as well. You know, if if they're gonna see us as a solution, of course they need to understand us as a problem. But to be able to kind of look at this from more like a philosophical light, perhaps is what I'm trying to say. You know, where you have uh, uh, you, you you really don't need to be bound by systems that have uh, that have downtime first, and also that uh, that don't actually secure your information, and that there are, there are multiple different uh, points of failure in the in the internet as it as it exists. So we can kind of work together to create this, uh, you know, an, an, like this completely different way of interpreting the uh, the current same inf internet infrastructure without, you know, bringing in as like uh, bringing in as less new complexity or added complexity as possible. You know, it's taking your same things, reusing them in a different way to to bring out this property of of just uh, secure networks. You know, um, so like yeah, just having integrity in all our our communications, trust and integrity in our communications. That's that's really from a vision perspective where, where I want to head. So, you know, that's, yeah, I guess that's that's a, a bit of like long ways down the road as well. Um, and, you know, you need to sort of go it in steps uh, as well. And you need to do certain things, as you said, uh, before you get to that point. So how, you know, how do you sort of like gauge yourself? How do you gauge your, your products and your team or the work that you do in terms of, you know, like if you're getting towards that goal or not, how are you measuring? How do you keep track on keep? How do you keep on track basically? Like, what's your, uh, you know, driving principle for making sure you're succeeding at at, at following that? Uh, yeah. So as, as more of a, a scientist than an engineer, I've come to extremely respect systems engineering. It's such an amazing field. And uh, so we we have uh, one of our our chief operating officer of the of the company. She's a, a seasoned uh, systems engineer from the U.S. Uh, U.S. Navy. She she, she had a multi-decade career there, and uh, uh, you know she she brought all these different principles over to uh, to to the way we do things. You know, so like there's just like this this structure. It's really you're taking the same thing, which is our technology, and dissecting it from so many different angles. And then uh, being able to like capture the minutia, like complete minutia, and fully specify your technology into like the lowest, like uh, you're you're able to actually relate like the, the tiniest functions all the way to um, to the the biggest business requirements, like the tiniest functions in your code, perhaps, right? Uh, and you know this is this is really like this this is the same methodology that allows for people to uh, like companies like Lockheed Martin to build build like airplanes and all that. So internally, we're we're really you know uh, we're we're chasing after that that same kind of model of like specifically like Lockheed Martin. You know, we're actually able to build and develop this this highly reliable um, technology based on very very sound principles all the way from the unit level to the to the high level and then there there are of course like a lot of these different uh, product metrics that uh, are able to agnostically uh, judge a product for a stage in the product life cycle uh, 
One that comes to mind is the technology readiness level, where it's, it's called a TRL. And TRL one is you know a mere idea, and TRL seven, which is the highest part of it, is like you know it's uh, TRL eight rather is is when it's uh, another think about it, it might be nine. Uh, TRL nine is the uh, is when it's actually out there powering devices like critical infra infrastructure in the world. Uh, so I think um, turning to 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 wisdom in, in systems engineering plus like sound business uh, or established uh, business techniques that are used by like all the big players, I think is is a very big uh, part of judging you know being being real on yourself and being like okay we're we're not quite where we think we should be or where we where we want to be at this point how do we get to that point and as you know metricize the manner and, and you know without going full uh jeff bezos about it you know instead of like metricizing literally everything that's i think that's that's a little too much as well so you need to you need to have like a healthy balance cool um yeah that's definitely one of the more i guess engineering based uh, approaches that I've, I've, you know, heard about. Um, and yeah, I mean, mind you, like I was also like working with you guys for a while. So yeah, that was actually pretty fascinating. Um, it's basically just, yeah, um, judging against the, the utility of what you've built. I think that's, that's really, that's really an interesting idea. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like novel, but yeah, it's not very widely used as well. So uh, and as he said, it's, it comes from the world of like Lockheed Martin and like these companies where, you know, if a part fails, ooh, there's consequences, right? So yeah, exactly. Uh, no, you can same, same with you guys, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. S same with you guys, right? Like if you're, if you're transferring over sensitive data, if you're transferring over data that needs to be, you know, needs to be transmitted correctly, um, I guess that's, that's, yeah. Um, so yeah, like I guess in the beginning, you, you mentioned a bit about, you know, that you guys were a smaller team early on um, and you know you guys tried to like grow the team and now you're a bit bigger team than you know just five five people uh or like two three people just starting out uh so how how did you you know go about that i'm, I'm sure like you you probably were maybe on the other end most of the times you know interviewing or but yeah. like how did you how did you you know go about getting to know people trying to find them like where did you go how did you do it how did you you know, try to build that sort of core uh, company, like values and culture. I think uh, what we did uh, absolutely right was uh, get get someone who knows how to hire people. Yeah, I think that's and and not just you know a recruiter. I think recruiters, you know, your mileage may vary, but like someone uh, like a VP engineer is was our first hire, and uh, they were able to you know uh, take our systems engineering kind of approach and then break it down to like teams and like what are the roles that that emerge from this that seem like the most crucial for uh, hitting all our deliverables, uh, and then you know like you know like being in a startup you know. Uh, uh, I, 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 I've heard this quote recently and I really like it, which is, you know, uh, a startup founder should try to fire themselves from as many roles as possible because you're, you're you know, you're, you're doing the roles for like 10, 10, 15 people easily and, and uh, you need to fire yourself. Like if, if it's a very small role, like technical writing, hire a technical writer. And, and of course, you know, you have to do what makes sense instead of like hiring, you know, without requirements and then just getting a bunch of people who are confused as to what's going on. Uh, like, you know, you have like a, a, a couple junior developers, a senior developer, and then uh, that's, that's, that's like, you know, when, when your, your job becomes more and more at a high level, you're operating at uh, more of the black box level. That's where, when you know you're doing something right. Um, so, so there's this notion of team and a product. So I think, I think they're also very, very integrated. You need to have a really good product and you need to have a team built around that product. 
So, so the people uh, aren't just, you know, like uh, they they don't know what they're working towards, but they're, you know, they know they're working some towards something. Like, you know, they're just working on something uh, where you have a team but not a product, and then you can have a like, really good product, but then you can just have a, a bunch of people who who have, you know, like uh, no idea what they're working on, or or they don't really care about the product, but they're working on it anyway. I think I think to to kind of reconcile both of these, you need to have a product that's uh, uh, a really good product that's supported by a team that's that's you know like bought into the vision of that pro of that product. I think that's that's really when you're hitting the uh, the golden mile, like you know golden milestones of uh, of recruiting. Uh, and you know, like we're we're still we're still in, uh, early on the process. Like we're going we're going pretty fast on a month by month. Like we're uh, in in the Virgil uh, in, in Virgil, I think now we're about 20 people, uh, and we are hiring like a bunch more. Uh, like we're we're constantly recruiting, you know. So it's 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 an exciting place to be uh, right now, getting to that kind of growth growth point. Yeah, it's like that sweet uh, uh, like first uh, point as well, right? Like you basically yeah. have that, um, you know, going from I guess two to five. It's kind of two. Five, six, or like under ten, slow, but then you go like from ten to like fifty a bit faster, and then yeah, to, yeah. you know, if you get to the point like at fifty to hundred, it's like way more faster too, and then just goes. Um, that you actually, it's funny like seeing that in a lot of like, you know, just historically, just looking at the data uh, mm -hmm. from the companies, um, you know, like Amazon, Google, you actually see that, and it's it's actually quite amazing um, when you look at the amount of like technology or products that they were pumping out and then like that correlation uh, there's clearly like that sort of like interplay between people and you know things that come out um but then uh, you know there's also been like i, I mean I, i've heard or like read about stories as well where you know start people just like were sitting around they're like okay you know what there's three people let's just start with that and then just come up with ideas too right so i guess that's that's also a perfectly valid way of doing it too, mm -hmm. right? Like, what do, what do you say about that? You know, because it's it's a bit of like a chicken and egg problem too. Yeah, right? it's yeah. Like, okay, you got people, but no product. But there's like sometimes product and you need people. But there is no people. So, what what do you think is or yeah? What what, what do you? I'm I'm curious about what you think about that. No, that's 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 a great point. You know, because you know a lot of uh, there, there's no like I mean as much as people will try to sell you on one single formula, maybe they have a book or, or something like you know this is how you run a startup. You know. Uh, so on and so forth. They're all just like general, like it has worked in the past. And I think uh, a lot of investors and past founders kind of get locked into that mentality of, hey, I did it once before. That means like I'm I'm an authority figure, you know, like 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 I I think you know these these are what everything I've said so far in this in this uh, conversation were were just things that work for us. And I you know it totally could work for someone else. Totally couldn't work for somewhere else. So, so other people, that's you know that's uh, definitely the case. Uh, but to to kind of directly address your point, it's I, I think uh, having a bunch of really creative people and people who are uh, who have their own very unique perspective on life. If you put them together for long enough in a room, they are going to come up with something. You know, that's that's just uh, it's almost like a disease. You can't help it. <laughs> it's just like oh man, what if we could do this? <laughs> so you you can't even control it. So I think uh, there, that that does emerge. And uh, like a lot of incubator models uh, are uh, built around that. Even even mine, uh, there were there were some people who didn't really have ideas, but uh, they had like this um, this huge expertise or skill set or uh, experience uh, that that allowed them to kind of gel with people right away. So it's definitely, definitely a very proven strategy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess that's, that's some good thing that humans, you know, he, humans have to, I guess, on just like 
Humans are magical. Like biological level, I should say. Yeah, yeah like that, 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 like curiosity, I believe. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess let's, let's, let's take a bit of a turn into, you know, just a bit like going from like the company aspect of things to like you as, as a person as well. I mean, I'm sure you have personally also had moments where you like, as you said, you know, you some, you sometimes felt like an imposter too at the beginning. And I'm sure like you sometimes still do, right? Uh, in certain parts. Um, so for you, like, what was the, was there like any big, like decisive moments where, you know, in university or, or early on, you were like, you know what, I'm just going to do this no matter what happens, you know, kind of like a leap of faith or was it, you know, you kind of like planned, carefully planned around it, like an engineer and, <laughs> you know, but what was the, yeah, what, what was that like? Um, so I, I, I guess like, I don't know, I've always been a, k- kind of an improvisational guy. Uh, I think that that's, that goes to like maybe personality types. Uh, there's like different, some people are, you know, they work better from, as from like Brinkman's, like, you know, surfing the edge of like <laughs> chaos. Uh, and I'm, I'm definitely in that category and other people, you know, prefer things very structured and, um, organized and like, you know, chaos kind of ruins their models. And they, 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 do, they, they might end up doing perfectly fine too, but uh, my, my strategy was always like, uh, I think it's hard coded in my brain to be like uh, more accepting of chaos. <laughs> so I think uh, I was, I was kind of heading down that route uh, when I was doing these contracts uh, that I mentioned earlier, where I was, uh, where I was just already doing uh, independent entrepreneur stuff. So I was, I was half-heartedly applying to a lot of uh, bigger tech companies like banks and um, payment like infrastructure companies and all that stuff. So I was I was shooting out applications and and I was like you know doing some interviews you know like not really putting the effort I guess I needed to uh, maybe I, somewhere deep down I knew like I didn't I, I didn't want to do it now I can say for sure I don't want to be doing that um, but uh, eventually like once I got that uh, uh, that incubator position you know that was just like you know what like I have the financial uh, security to make this decision as well I mean I I think it does count for a lot right like that's uh, uh, having having that basis means that you can you can kind of build from there and you you have this this somewhat notion of a safety net you know again but like uh, it's it's all about you being able to uh, you you know that you can kind of trust yourself or you need to trust yourself a little bit because uh, a, a lot of it because you need to you need to make sure you don't uh, burn through that safety net because again like as the how far you get pretty much solely depends on how what you put into it right like. Uh, that's that's the nature of entrepreneurship. It's like you're coasting through the world just by by yourself without the safety of another company to kind of associate your name with, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's definitely one of the biggest changes. Well, um, and I mean, we see it right now, uh, especially in Canada uh, as well as a country where, uh, you know, incubators and like sort of these opportunities where you have this notion of a bit of financial safety. I mean, that's one of the biggest things, right? Because I grad out of college, you don't have much, right? And you want to like, you know, you, you you either go work for a company or you, you know, try to figure out a way to to earn a living. But if you have some kind of a safety net or, you know, you can do something that you like and be paid for it and have time to, you know, tinker around, around on the side, uh, I guess that's, yeah, that's definitely. So you, that's, yeah, that's like really cool to see. Like, like you, you're like one of the products of like that sort of uh, yeah, like yeah. environment. I think Canada's innovation, man, like um, thought yeah. they put into it, it's just, I'm, I'm so glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, and <clears throat> I think it's, um, yeah, and I, I believe it's just like still in the very early stages because you don't see it as much as, um, you know, the Valley or 
other parts in the in the word yeah, right absolutely. um yeah i feel like there's like still like hot spots you know like uh ontario has still a lot more of those opportunities than like the west coast for example yeah. um uh, yeah i know i guess on that note yeah like how do you how do you see that changing like what do you see do you think it's going to go down like more you know centralized you know uh, silicon valley type um thing or it's just going to be more, more dispersed from the get go i i think the the pains of entrepreneurship when you look at it from the from a country's context that it's it's tied to kind of like the financial infrastructure of the country and i think canada specifically tends to be more conservative from its like the backbone of its uh of its of its financial history you know like its financial infrastructure which is which is played out very well when you look at like 2008 right like uh it, we were because of the way the big banks kind of pulled up the financial infrastructure it was able to uh fare a lot better than a lot of other countries uh but you know uh the, the flip side of it as you mentioned in the valley you know like uh it's just so much easier to get an idea going but that's because of the nature of venture capital there you know where they just kind of uh Throw, throw, throw money and then see what happens out of it. Like it's like here, we're gonna give you the shot, and then uh, if, if you're able to go with it, we'll 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 support you more. Uh, so I think, uh, and I, I, it's not just me who has this opinion because I've read several articles about uh, the uh, the investment scene in Canada really needing to get up to that level. Um, and uh, yeah, some some VC conversations I've had and friends of mine have had are like you know like I can't believe they said that you know they they they, they, they uh, like they expect some pretty unreasonable terms. And a lot of companies do end up getting produced with these kind of unreasonable terms, and then you see them uh, like I, I don't want to name any of them, but you know you see them kind of like not uh, working out over time just because there's kind of this eventually kind of becomes like a toxic culture within the company. So that's uh, really something I'd want to avoid. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's hopefully something that changes about uh, the investment scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like some of the the capital needs to go in. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I think. It's probably going to happen a bit more dispersed as well um, going forward, uh, but you know that's just my two cents. Uh, probably not worth much. <laughs> um, I, I hope you're. I hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do too. <laughs> um, so I guess on a, on a bit more like personal level as well, like what is what were like the biggest sort of like hurdles or like difficulties for you like personally um, throughout sort of the last I guess. Five, uh, five, seven years that you've been like doing so this, this thing. Um, I think the the major thing for me was like you know, uh, like accepting a loss of personal life to some degree, <laughs> because it's uh, I I don't know, it's it's like I have all this energy and uh, I I love you know like hanging out with my friends and and you know doing doing fun stuff, but I I had to sideline you know friends and personal life so many times. Uh, which you know, like, uh, like I, 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 I'm, I'm sold on what I'm doing, and I love what I'm doing. I, I can't, like, I, I physically can't, like, you know, uh, stay away from, uh, from work for like uh, prolonged periods of time. Like, I haven't taken a proper vacation, and by proper, I mean more than like a week or something in like the last five years that I remember. <laughs> So, uh, you know, there's, there's that, which is, it's pretty intense, and you know, sometimes I do get stressed out. Uh, so I think it's just, uh, and there I found that meditation really helped, like, uh, like actually just practicing med meditation, uh, even if it's just 10 minutes a day, it's like, wow, the, the impact it has on your brain is just like amazing. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty well-studied phenomenon for how, how well, like, well, not, not well, not quite as well-studied as it should be, but like the amount of research that's there suggests that, you know, just 
just doing some amount of meditation every day is just really going to help you uh, feel better and you know feel less stressed no matter what you have to do you know no matter what has happened it's just like not getting overwhelmed by all the the you know kind of chaos that's that's in your mind um but yeah that's that's truly really just the, the stress yeah i guess that's that's definitely like one of the big things that i have um i've, I've seen or like experienced with people other people as well who, who are like going through the same sort of uh, you know, turbulence, as I, I like to say, it's because it's it's a bit chaotic, right? You have like 10 different things that you need to worry about and they're all uh, sometimes even not connected to each other. So it's like your brain is, is like switching machine and it's switching so often uh, that it, it really like takes the energy from you. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, I it, the guiding principle there is just like, you know, okay, well, you got to take care of that brain of yours because if, yeah. yeah, you don't, then in the long run, it's just not going to be as useful. So exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I guess um, that's that's yeah, that's that's pretty uh, interesting take on. Uh, well, do you think like you're gonna you're gonna have to like at some point just ramp back on you know a lot of your work and like sort of get back into like putting time and energy into that like personal life of yours, or do you just you know, do you think that, uh, you know, I can, I can just continue like this. Oh, well, uh, as you guys can maybe able to tell, I'm, I'm really into music. So, you know, that's, that's really what I want to, uh, at some point just, uh, take some time off. Like, even if that's like, uh, a year or two or something and just making music, I think that would be pretty amazing. Uh, but you know, like, I, I don't know, I, I, I tend to play things by ear as I, as I mentioned, uh, I'm not. I'm. I'm here to stay in entrepreneurship for for the next little bit uh, until you know we're. Uh, I kind of achieve what what we want with uh, Virgil, kind of like in, in the grand vision sense. Uh, and then ultimately, until then, I can only uh, try to increase the amount of uh, personal life I put in because you know, like at the end of at the end of it all, like if I if I'm like you know like 80 years old and I, I haven't had a second of free time, you know, that's that's not going to be good either. You know, that's not a a fully expressed life. So I'm, it's really about self-expression and like being able to you know, uh, have no no qualms like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, and yeah, I guess like before, yeah, before we end this, I, I guess like we should end on the note, like what, what do you, what is your thoughts or like what, what are your, what, what are your beliefs about what, what people should do when, you know, they're trying to, as you said, like they're trying to like express themselves. Because in, in a way, like your, your work is in a way like expressing your, your beliefs, your core beliefs and opinions. Yeah. Try my best. Uh, so what, what would be your advice to, yeah, yeah. Uh, what would be your advice to people who are, you know, you know, young and, you know, doing just, just experimenting with things and are just, you know, trying to make something, um, you know, it doesn't have to be any kind of like a company. Um, but yeah, people are just trying to, you know, express themselves with, with, with different projects or ventures. What, what is your one piece of advice that you'll give uh, based on your experiences? Uh, no, that's exactly it. You know, just, uh, no matter what, just don't be afraid to express yourself. And like, you know, you, you should have that as your number one priority, like, you know, getting in, uh, like three degrees, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, if that ties into your goal of self-expression, that's, that's all that counts because ultimately that's what you're going to remember, right? Like, you know, you can, you can have all the, uh, material things or, or whatever. Uh, but if, uh, it needs to tie into your self-expression and the, like, you need to, first of all, spend some time searching for what it is that you're trying to express, which does take a lot of time for people. Uh, you know, like knowing what is that, 
really that authentic thing that's that is about you uh and and, and like you, whether you find it or not just i think just the, the path of trying to find it is or or you know once you find it to to allow it to shine is like uh most important thing. I think humans are amazing, magical creatures and their ability to, to like express. And it's it's just the most natural thing for us. And uh, I think it's important that we spend time to actually find that and then uh, make our lives about that. It, it, and for me, it happened to be entrepreneurship. I'm not asking everyone to be entrepreneurs, you know, uh, but it, it could it could really be anything. And, and it's about finding that thing. And, and it's about the pursuit of that thing uh, that I think is the most human thing that we can do. Well, great. Yeah, that's, that's exactly, yeah, I totally agree with that. It's, it's, it's all about just, you know, taking, taking your, your sort of inner core beliefs, opinions, and like trying to sort of express them in the way that, that you, you really like. Yeah. You, yeah, I think you hit it like right there on the on point. Yeah. Great. Um, well, uh, it has been a pleasure, uh, speaking with you. Uh, and, yeah, it's, it's really, really, yeah, interesting to see that, uh, you know, there's just like there's just like a whole interesting like long story as well uh, behind most people, right? Um, and yeah, it was great to know yours. And yeah, I wish you all all the yeah, best. Thanks with, for the uh, the platform uh, you know, to express. Yeah. It was a, a great conversation. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, um, good luck and thank you. Thank you for listening in on this episode of the Everyday Titans podcast. If you're interested in more episodes like this, where we connect with entrepreneurs, artists, leaders, and change makers within our communities, this is the show for you. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite apps, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. For more information, feedback, and to show your support, please visit our website at atifali.ca slash everydaytitans.